So uh, you noted... It's an anagram. It is an anagram, yes. Um, I put brioche. It is a food, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, it's like a morning biscuit. And I put brioche at the top of the board as a mnemonic device for you, yes, to remember these seven points that I'd like to discuss, um, which actually Johnny brought to my attention. Uh, in this, uh, this quarter's uh, Messiah Journal from First Fruits of Zion, if you didn't get this one, this one's really good, really good, you know, that we disagree with the divine imitation theology uh, and perspective that uh, they are embracing at this point. Um, but I still have very close ties with uh, Boaz Michael and actually uh, have uh, been chatting with him via email um, many times over the past week. Uh, and with the new Bible uh, gospel that came out, um, we're, we're going back and forth. So it's, it's really been kind of neat. Um, but this is really good because I didn't see a lot of that um, fodder in here. Um, but the first uh, article, I think, is uh, by Toby uh, Janicki. Uh, no, by Aaron Eby. And uh, Jesus declared all foods clean. And uh, the, heart, the whole Mark 7 deal, an excellent, excellent article. Uh, so I don't want to um, spoil that for you. So you really should do that. And by the way, you don't need to actually get the book, you can actually download the PDF of each Messiah magazine and uh, get that on your uh, handheld, your Kindle, your iPad, or other mobile device, or you can hit something P and print it, and then you know actually hold the paper if that's more your flavor, Mr. Burroughs. So, um, at any rate, I noticed that he did this, this excellent treatment uh, in the uh, in this article on the front end about Yeshua being associated with the Pharisees or what we would call the Prushim, Prushim Pharisees. Okay, so I have seven points. They're not in that order, um, so I'm going to give you each uh, letter here and uh, some things to consider because these are good. Uh, that uh, Aaron Eby brings up. And I'd like to actually see if you can give me some rather than me just spouting them out. Um, but I did recognize not only what he wrote, but then, then some others, um, that there's some serious credence to this. And the reason I bring this up is because I'm going to my father-in-law's for Thanksgiving. No, um, it's because in the... Uh, I will, I will indeed. In, in professional Christendom, um, at least what I heard was um, the Pharisees were bad guys. The scribes too. The Sadducees were sad, you see, right? Um, because they didn't believe in the resurrection, but and so they were really bad. So you know, you get the Sadducees, bottom of the barrel, and the scribes and the Pharisees were always kind of bunched together, and they were they were bad guys, and that really is not the case. So, um, give me uh, 
but you, you probably won't be able to get my, my words and whatnot, but um, if someone were to say, yeah, Jesus really hated those Pharisees, what would be one of your first responses, Johnny? I would say he actually commends them. He commends them, yes. Um, I actually have that down uh, with the... Uh, we're going to do this here so that you can... Can you see the red if I put it up there? Yeah. He endorses them. He endorses them. So, it, by, by way of reminder, um, the Sofrim... Sofrim? Scribes, literally, those who count, right? Because they counted the words. And they could tell you the middle letter in the Torah, from Genesis to Deuteronomy, they'll tell you the middle letter by counting. Then they'll tell you the middle word, it's actually two words, right? And it's in between those two words. And they'll tell you the middle verse in the Torah by counting. It's very cool. Yeah, that's right, that's right. All right, so the Sofrim and the Prushim sit on Moshe's seat. So practice and observe whatever they tell you, but not what they do, for they preach but do not practice. That's Matthew 23, verses 2 and 3. So he's definitely endorsing what they're saying. So that's good. Yes, sir? Uh, I was just going to quote Matthew 23. There it is, yes. Oh, you can guess a letter, or you can tell me what you would tell someone else. Uh, well, I say, uh, reproof Yes, yes. Um, he rebuked. Yes, he did. He endorses, and he rebukes. Yeah, yeah, they didn't, you know, it's not that they were perfect. But they did have some problems. He rebuked them. Yeshua rebukes the Prushim almost mercilessly. And that, I think, in and of itself is a telling thing, but we'll get into that in a minute. Um, At times, implying that they should have known better. Because they studied the Torah, you know? As long as you don't drop it on the glass, you're fine. You did buy the uh, all-encompassing plan, right? It was 100 bucks. Good, all right. So uh, let's, let's look at his rebuke. Uh, Luke 15, please. Luke 15, verses 4 through 7. Luke 15, verses 4 through 7. Oh, you already have your glasses on. I was going to say that's very tiny, Alex. But that, uh, good. Yes, Peter, please. One man of you, having a hundred sheep, if you lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Yeah, did you go to seven? Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Now the Prushim are the Tzadikim, the righteous ones who need no repentance. This parable of the lost sheep, he is actually rebuking them and at the same time making clear that they're doing well. Prodigal son, Luke 15, 11 through 32. Who's got that? Anybody here in the cheap seats? Go ahead, Ken. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that followed to me. And he divided unto them his living. Through verse... 
uh, through verse 32, but I don't want you to read the whole story because we all know the story, but jump to the chase at the end where he's uh, responding to the uh, jealous older brother. Please. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. There you go. Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. And the son is not corrected when he says that he's kept all his father's commandments. The, the jealous older brother is the Prushim. That's who he represents. And finally, we have the scholar's objections answered with a reference to the Prushim. Uh, both in Mark 2 and in Matthew 9, we have those who are well have no need of a physician. Who is it that has no need of a physician? Right? It is Mark 2.17, I do know, and Matthew 9.12. Alright? So, these guys don't need a physician. They are not sick. They are righteous men. So, he has rebuked them, but at the same time, he has lifted them up numerous times. Numerous times. All right. Just to save you um, hassle here, um, the two letters that I've got underscored and in red are, in fact, the ones where he does stuff. All the rest of them are what the Prushim did with Yeshua. Yes, sir? Um, you know, their hearts are far from me. They honor me with their lips. Um, I'm struggling with the uh, um, no question they say you should do, but don't do what they do what they say, but don't do what they do. So I guess there's even hypocrisy there. There is hypocrisy. Uh, there is no question he rebuked them, but I'm yeah, not going to argue tonight yeah. where they stand. I, I think it is abundantly and clear he yeah. endorsed them and he lifted them up in every one of those things. Right. So that's all I'm doing tonight. Gotcha. Now I just want to get into why there seems to be a very strong affinity between the Prushim and Yeshua. That's my focus tonight. Well, I would also say that you know, judgment begins at the house of the Lord, right? So, they are the teachers and the leaders of the community. So, they are being held to a very high standard. So, to a, to a higher standard. James 3. When he rebukes them, it's merciless. It's, it's all the more stronger rebuke. 
because of the fact that the position they hold. And, and the fact that they should have known better. Right. No question. So he's rebuking them. I'm, I'm clear. Yeah. And you, exactly right. All right. So now, let's look. That's two. Give me five now. Get a handful of things that the Prushim do or say that lead us to believe that they see him perhaps as one of their own. Okay. They invited him. That's right. They invited him to their homes. They seemed comfortable to invite him to table fellowship. And guys, that is a really big deal. Right? Luke 7, 36. Luke 11, 37. Luke 14, 1. These invitations put Yeshua in their category, not in the category of Am Haaretz. People of the land. The riffraff. They didn't eat with anybody. They only ate with their kind. But they invited him over and over and over again. Why would they do that? Give me something else. They challenged them. Hang on. They objected. Give us those verses again real quick. I will. Hang on one second. 736. Luke 7, 36. Luke 11, 37. And Luke 14, 1. It's, it's not just one time. And it's not just one period of time. Again and again and again, they see him keeping their standards and appearing to be one of them. And therefore, they have no qualms about inviting him to their homes to eat. They objected. Right? The very point that the Prushim objected to or were surprised by Yeshua's behavior or his Talmudim's is extraordinary. Why would they care? Here's a guy, and he's, he's not following our traditions. Well, guess what? There were a lot of people that didn't follow their traditions. They didn't care. Why did they make a point to care that he did something? Why were they surprised that that was the case? The implication is that they viewed him as one of the, their sect of Judaism. That's the implication. It's not to say that Yeshua considered himself a a Pharisee. I'm not making that claim. All I'm saying is that there's no way that they would object to his behavior or his followers' behavior unless they considered him and therefore his followers by by, uh, implication. One of him. I, I think that's probably the strongest one and I actually had that first. Right? So... This, by the way, is brought up in Mark 7. So let's go there real quick, and then we'll move on to the rest of them. But I want to make sure that you understand something very, very exciting here with regard to this topic. Mark 7, if you're not familiar with it, is talking about um, whether something you put in your mouth can make you ritually impure. It's as simple as that. It doesn't have anything to do with food. 
We even actually have toilets and bowel movements mentioned here, and it's, it's, uh, it's a great passage. But of course, <laughs> it's, uh, it's been misused, and in the English it was mistranslated in, uh, in virtually every translation, and we see that here's Yeshua changing the Torah because he declares all food is clean. But we're not talking about Mark 7 tonight. Just read it with me. In the first couple of verses, it will astonish you. Now the Prushim and men from the scholars who had come from Jerusalem assembled to him. When they saw some of his disciples eating bread with hands that were impure, that is to say, without ritual washing, they rebuked them. For the Prushim and all the Yehudim do not eat until they have done ritual hand washing up to the wrist in holding to what the elders handed down. And they do not eat what comes from the market without immersing, and there are other things that they have received to observe, such as immersing cups, pitchers, kettles. The Prushim and scholars asked him, Why are your disciples not behaving according to the tradition of the elders? For they're eating bread without ritual hand-washing. Now we're going to stop there. The answer is irrelevant to the discussion tonight. Can you tell me? Is it true or false? All of his disciples ate with unclean hands. It's false. Is there any implication that Yeshua ate with unclean hands? Don't they question his behavior at other times? Yeah. Why are you healing on the Sabbath? But they didn't say anything about him. I want you to understand that what is implied here is that Yeshua and some, right? That means that Yeshua and most of his disciples ritually washed their hands before they ate. Yeshua and most of his disciples. The Pharisees are only asking about some of the disciples. Why do some of your disciples eat without ritually washing their hands? Now that that's... That's mind-blowing. Because if you're of the Baptist persuasion and think that that whole hand-washing thing is just a bunch of hooey, you may go apoplectic when you find out that Yeshua actually wore zitzit, but hey, man, he's actually doing hand-washings too. Okay? Yes? Could it be that they were new to the walk, they were brand-new followers, and they hadn't learned all the master's traditions yet? They were following you know, just the way the Gentiles... And- in Acts 15, after the Jerusalem Council said, you know, just do these things and, you know, you'll have, hear what to do. I have no idea. Doesn't matter to me. If it was important, I would think that the Master would have taught them. Maybe he didn't have a chance to teach them yet. Maybe they were going to learn from the other Deem. Absolutely. Doesn't matter. The point is, It doesn't say they question Yeshua about his hand washing. It doesn't say they question why none of his disciples washed their hands. That's the point. It just says some. Yeah, it's good some. Yeah, you got a some. No no question, guys. You got a some. Don't get apoplectic. It's okay. <laughs> why, why wouldn't you get a response? Because he, he, he adverse to it. Because I'm, tonight's not the discussion on Mark 7. The, tonight is simply the discussion on why, 
Why would the Pharisees ask him about? Why would they? Why would they care? Unless they're like, "Wow, this is a really cool Pharisee. This is a great teacher. I'm thinking of following this guy. I'm just wondering, well, how come? How, how come they all don't wash their hands? How, how come some of them didn't wash their hands? I mean, we're just curious. I mean, I mean, you know, they're your disciples, but you, can, you know." How come some of them don't? I think that's amazing. That's amazing. They object to his behavior. That's like an Orthodox Jew coming up to me and saying, you know, I'm just a little disappointed. Those tzitzit are a bit long. I would be absolutely astonished if an Orthodox Jew wanted to correct my halacha. Why? Because he cares. Because he cares, and he's like thinking that I'm one of him. I could go with that. Do the Jew-ish thing. Cool. Give me another one now. Good. They buried him? They buried him? You know, that's very good. And I didn't have that for my B. But does everybody realize and recognize? Because that's excellent. Do you realize that he was buried by two Pharisees? That's what they believed. Well, you know what? That's the B. They believed. Well, it was because they believed that they actually buried him. Would you turn to Acts chapter 15, please? Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. We look at verse 5, and I think we'll find a substantial representation of Prushim among the early Talmudim. What is 15.5? So you got that there? But some believers who belong to the party of the Perushim rose up and said, Is it necessary to circumcise them in order that... I don't think they questioned it. I think they said it. It is necessary, not is it. Right, there is no question mark. Right. It is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law. There you go. Now, what they said is irrelevant. The point is, it was a significant group. And they are believers. And they're Pharisees. A whole mess of priests believed in our Master Yeshua as well. Why do you suppose that is? He was the Mashiach. It's not a trick question. He's he was the Messiah. I don't. He's the Messiah. Yeah. Okay. So they believed. I think that's big. They, yeah. I know they miss. Yeah. Yeah. It gets it gets late. They need wine. You know. All right. Yeah. They believed. A good number of them believed. And just as our faith demands, they didn't believe in word only. They believed and they bore it out with what they did. Because they did bury him. I mean. Okay, we got uh, three out of five, two left. Uh, I got that under objected. Yes! Oh, good job, Gregor! They honored him. They honored him. How did they honor him? They constantly called him teacher or master. 
Rabbi, right? They always did. They were very honoring to him. It wasn't like, you schmo, what are you doing? You don't think you're the Mashiach, do you? It wasn't like that. That's not how the Pharisees presented themselves. I'm not quoting the verse exactly, but I'm putting these thoughts from different verses together. Teacher, you get your power from demons. Like, obviously they, were, they had a problem because that's yeah. what they said about it. Yeah. But you're right. Some of them did. Yeah, some of and, them did. And we need to watch. That's the point. When we remember those, yeah. it, a lot of times, it's not the Pharisees. Yeah. It's the Sadducees. Oh. And we need to recognize those are two different sects. And the Sadducees did not like him at all. Why? Besides that, why didn't the Sadducees like Yeshua and his whole ministry? What's the big? What? Because he liked the Pharisees. Well, yeah, he he looked and sounded like a Pharisee. His halakha was that way. Exactly. They're the guys that are going to lose everything. He's looking at these guys, going, "What are you doing?" They're the corrupt ones. They're the ones that shouldn't be in power. They're the ones that have stolen away the priesthood. They're the ones that have been sold out to Rome. They're the ones he's normally talking about. And he puts this. Yes, and they've got the most to lose. If Yeshua's a Pharisee, or better, if Yeshua turns out to be the Mashiach, would that bother the Pharisees? Well, no. They believed. And they honored him. And we see later. The sea? They didn't crucify him. They didn't conspire. Wherever he was, they came. They did come, but they actually cared. I shouldn't have I shouldn't have put up the word. I shouldn't have put up the word. That's that's the problem. Yeah, they cared for him. How do we know this? Would you turn? This is very cool. Turn to Luke 13. Luke chapter 13. I don't know that you've ever seen this. I didn't see this. I didn't think about this. Aaron Eby thought of this, and I think it's brilliant. Luke chapter 13, verse 31. Who's got that for me? Please. On that very day, some Pharisees came, saying to him, Get out and depart from here, for Herod wants to kill you. They cared enough that they warned him about a plot for his life. Now that's amazing, guys. This is the Pharisees that he... Uh, what do we remember? I mean, come on, give me the flannel graph argument here. What do we remember? Oh, the Pharisees hated him. And he hated them. And he rebuked them all the time. They never did anything right. They were hypocrites. That's all you hear. That's all you hear. Yeah. And, and, and in that voice, you always hear it the same. They were hypocrites. And you never, you never recognize they cared enough to warn him. You know what? It was amazing. But the wise men went home a different way. There were people who warned Paul that his life was at stake. We lift these people up. And yet, it just seems to me that in professional Christendom, I understand why. But we should have a really strong argument that the Pharisees are getting a bum rap. Yes? Exhibit A that, the, that, there, that there were many Pharisees that, you know, I mean, he was a Pharisee among Pharisees. Top shelf. 
sitting at the feet of Gamaliel. Nor did the two men that buried him. Big time. Um, particularly as it pertained to interaction with Gentiles. Uh, so, uh, so a lot of the a lot of the rebukes to the to the, against Pharisaical halakha um, at that time would have been directed towards Beit Shemai because they were the ones that were setting the halakha. That's right. That's exactly right. And we see that the master. You can take quotes from the master, multiple quotes from the master, pull them out of context, put them on a page, and you can just put dash, Hillel. And you just quoted Hillel. It's an amazing thing. It really is. The first rabbi in Israel to show up and say that to love your neighbor as yourself is 